To the Ether. Today is Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Take advantage of their Terra Luna Intel report on Telegram, which brings you the hottest news and updates on all things Terra. Find it by using the link in the show notes. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. Today on the Ether, we have the Prism Launch Q&A. Let's take a listen. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> how many people we got in here? We got about 100 in. Okay, cool. Um, everyone, welcome to uh, Prism Spaces. I'm super excited to be here hosting this one. Remember six or seven months ago when Doe first dropped the idea of um, <clears throat> P and Y Lunar and splitting the yield and principle. And uh, ever since then, there's been a lot of hype and a lot of speculation about uh, Prism Protocol and what it's going to bring to uh, the Terra uh, ecosystem. <clears throat> Personally, I'm, I think it's probably the most exciting launch that we've had uh, since Anchor Protocol. Um, so absolutely delighted to be here today with uh, the Mr. Refractor himself, uh, Hyperion, who's hiding behind the Prism um, account today, and uh, and new Prism team member announced this week, uh, Jimmy. Um, so before we kick off, congratulations, Jimmy. Um, just kind of <clears throat> wondering uh, how did it come about that you joined the team, and and what will will your role be at Prism? Hey Ryan, I think um, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy week, but I remember it actually all kind of started because um, you know you kind of organized something with uh, Mr. Refractor here. I think last summer in the UK Lunatics group back then when Terabytes was still doing their um, you know Friday happy hour um, where we all kind of just jump in and just chat about nothing. And, um, you had kind of just put together a little group for the UK lunatics. Um, and Mr. Refractor came and started talking about prism and, um, that's when things, you know, really kind of started, um, you know, the idea started marinating in my head. I started, um, you know, mixing and, and matching, uh, connecting the dots between prism, some of the other, uh, protocols over on Ethereum, like uh, Pendo, Element, and uh, even shared some, um, you know, similar aspects with like Alchemex. And and now we have, um, you know, kinetic money on our side in terms of like lossless, uh, not lossless, uh, liquidation-free leverage on your assets. Um, yeah, and I think like ever since then, and just following my interest and in trying to create valuable content and, um, just uh, filling in a void where where uh, I saw necessary, um, just you know, 
doing research, summarizing, making things simple, and just putting it out in there into the universe. Um, I think you know, just the 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 terror community, the lunatics, just kind of reciprocated, um, you know, the value that they saw and the work that I did. Um, and of course, like all the folks over at GT, we've all been kind of masterminding and um, you know, just just trying to make sense and navigate through, um, you know, quote unquote, making it all together, right? And we've kind of just been there for each other. And uh, Mr. Fracture has kind of just popped in and kind of been a part of that whole journey. So um, I think when the time was right, it was a kind of a almost like a natural um, move to 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 join the Prism team. Um, yeah, and then my my role. I think the only thing that really resonated with me was the idea of um, just trying to attract uh, growth or, or TVL and uh, for for the protocol, right? And it kind of allowed me to do all the things that folks kind of know me, um, you know, on, on on Twitter for my persona. Maybe it's you know contributing in data dashboards or helping folks make uh, data driven decisions. Um, maybe it's simplifying some of the ideas and strategies into threads. Um, maybe it's like creating these little short loom videos, walking people through things, um, and behind the scenes, just doing a lot of uh, business development partnerships, and just trying to um, you know fit all the pieces together in the most valuable valuable way for all parties. Um, yeah, so that's like a quick story on I guess how things organically kind of unfolded over the last year or so. And you forgot to mention the memes. Oh yeah, the memes. Can't, can't remember. <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, from, from us, I remember, um, you know, you put together the, the T5 calculator and I was, I was looking through it earlier on and I, I, you'd kind of like shown a big interest in the protocol anyway, straight away and put it onto your T5 calculator last summer. Um, and then really it was just a case of, you know, we 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 chatted obviously quite a bit about Prism over you know over many months, and then um, and then it's also just seeing people do stuff for the community and just getting stuck in without like without an agenda, um, just trying to like be be helpful and useful. And it was like obviously tons of different ways that you were contributing. You know, most recently with the sort of liquidity incentive proposals um, on Agora for Terra, but like loads of different things you've done obviously for helping kind of uh, GT and then your community tools you've done for various launches, like all the content you've put out as well. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it seemed, it seemed to make perfect sense to try and like focus those energies uh, towards prison. What, you know, given what a good job um, obviously you've been doing with, with everything else. I think I speak on behalf of the whole community when I say I think it's uh, it's a great pick pick up for Prism Cove Protocol and um yeah good luck good luck Jimmy um so the purpose of today's space is obviously is we've we've had the announcement um just over a week ago in terms of there's this four um four stage or four phase launch process for prism so kind of want to spend some time talking through that today and just trying to kind of consolidate in everyone's heads how that works and then before we do that i'd also like to spend a little bit of time on the prism tokenomics because i think there's been a lot of uh, threads that have been really focused on you know how how the different alphabet lunars are going to play out against each other um, but maybe not so much focus on the and the token itself. And given that we're we're talking about at least in phase one and two, we're talking about the token launch. I think it'd be worthwhile um, working through some of the tokenomics there. 
um it'll be a typical like it's going to be like an interview style uh, spaces but uh, we will have hopefully some time for questions at the end so uh, as we go through if you do kind of think of a question put your hand up and get in the queue for questions and, and we'll take them as as we as we get towards the end there so um so first and foremost yeah let's talk about the the prism token um so what is the functionality of the prism token within prism protocol yeah so um so prism uh the prism token itself is going to be one side of every single liquidity pool so at the start we're having seven liquidity pools um and that's going to be prism versus ust prism versus aust prism versus luna prism versus c luna prism versus y luna prism versus uh p luna and x prism versus prism um and x prism i'll get to in a sec so that the, the reason to have the prism token as one side of every liquidity pool is that means that we're starting off with Luna, but as we refract more assets like Sol or ETH or AUST or LP tokens from Astroport, um, the maximum steps you'll ever have to do to get from one token to another token is two, because you'll go from token X to Prism to token Y. So it serves a helpful utility like that. And that also means that as we add more assets and TVL in the liquidity pools grows, then um, more prism is needed to be paired against those uh, those new assets. So it kind of serves a, a utility function like that. And then additionally, you can take your prism token and uh, stake it um, to to get the X prism token. And the X prism token is uh, a liquid token, and the liquid token is going to be. Uh, the best way to think about it on Terra is something like UST to AUST. So really what happens with UST is you'll deposit your UST into the AUST pool and you get an AUST token in return. Now, every day as rewards are collected by Anchor um, on the B Luna, those rewards are deposited, those UST rewards are deposited into the AUST pool and the value of your AUST token increases. And so XPRISM is a, is a similar model to that, where every day fees are collected by the protocol. PRISM is then bought back from the open market off of these liquidity pools. And then those PRISM tokens are then dropped into the AUST pool. So you never need to claim your PRISM tokens um, because really you just have an asset that's increasing in value like the AUST token. And what, what the XPRISM token does is when someone puts uh, Luna into Prism, the uh, Luna is staked in the background and starts accruing, uh, you know, staking rewards that you would normally get with Luna. And so those staking rewards go to uh, then go to Y Luna holders, um, who, because when you stake your Prism, you receive uh, stake your Luna into Prism, you receive Y Luna and P Luna. And so what happens with the PRISM token is 10% of that yield from uh, YLUNA tokens that are staked in PRISM is converted to PRISM tokens and distributed to the XPRISM pool. And then for YLUNA tokens that aren't staked in PRISM, so say, for example, in the liquidity pools, or people are just using them to sort of hold in their wallet or speculate, like a lot of people do with LUNA, 100% um, of that yield uh, goes to XPRISM holders. 
And so another another source of revenue on the protocol is is that um, because Prism has its own AMM, whenever there's a swap executed, so say someone swaps Prism to UST or YLUNA to Prism, um, there's a there's a fee collected by the protocol the same way that you do on TerraSwap or the same way that happens on Astroport. And so part of that swap fee um, goes to X Prism holders again. And then the fourth way that Prism collects, uh, or the fourth different fee that Prism collects, is Prism's going to allow you to leave limit orders. So you could set, uh, you could deposit AUST, and you could leave a limit order to buy Luna in case the price dipped. And if you ended up doing that, then if the order is successfully executed, you will uh, a fee will be collected of 0.3%, and that will be converted to Prism and dropped into the X Prism contract. So I guess in summary, you have four different ways. 10% of the yield of Y assets that are staked, 100% of the yield of Y assets that aren't staked, 0.1% of any swap that occurs on Prism swap, and 0.3% of any order that's successfully executed. Those are the, those are the things that go to X Prism. And as X Prism is also a liquid token, like AUST, rather than a illiquid staked token. You can then also use XPRISM in the liquidity pool I mentioned earlier. So you could be a liquidity provider in the Prism XPRISM pool. Um, and people have seen examples of this with, say, Luna, the, the Luna Luna X pool at the moment. Um, and you could also potentially lend out Prism tokens or XPRISM tokens or use XPRISM as collateral like we've seen with Lunar X in, uh, in Mirror Protocol, et cetera. And because it's a liquid token, that means it can go cross-chain, it can be used in other protocols, and all the time it's still um, accruing rewards because it's a compounding token. Hopefully, hopefully that gives a bit of a, 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 an overview. Yeah, that's pretty thorough and um, yeah, really interesting to hear about all those different value accrual methods. I think um, one of the things that we've seen on, on Terra is for, for the um, protocol tokens is kind of like maybe a struggle to to accrue value to the token. So some really interesting methods there. I think those different value value accrual methods uh, link back to your uh, the analysis tool that you've put together, right, Jimmy? I don't know if you want to talk to that briefly. Yeah, folks can find it on um, my pinned tweet, and I can kind of share it here in a second uh, on the space. But I think the most surprising thing to me, um, you know, when, when kind of building that tool and kind of just challenging myself that I understand, you know, all of these different um, value accrual methods and, you know, placing some assumptions against it um, is that, you know, the the idea that 100% of Luna, that 100% of the fees from unstaked Luna or Luna and these, uh, these pools are going to um, you know, going back to X Prism stakers, that's that's quite incredible, actually, because um, you know the value accrual for staked Y Luna is only ten percent. So that just means that you know it's it's literally ten x, right? Ten x the value accrual for just a small majority. Um, if you believe like a small majority of Y Luna is not going to be staked, that small percentage of Y Luna that is unstaked can generate more fees to the protocol than all of the other uh, Yluna that's being staked, um, you know, and this 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 same idea propagates towards you know 
all future tokens and um, all future, you know, yield LP tokens that um, could ever possibly be uh, introduced onto the platform. So I think that's just an incredible, um, like, I guess, new um, new idea that um, you know we're, we're being exposed to for the first time on Terra, and it's just like just a simple little switch can you know, uh, increase the value accrual for a token f over, um, yeah, well, quite a large magnitude. Yeah, and if, if anyone hasn't seen that tool, I think uh, Jimmy's put a link up uh, at the top of the spaces here, and I think you'll, you'll find it in there um, if you want to go and have a play around with the different parameters there. Yeah, I think, I think there's a, uh, Jimmy's posted the link there, and Jimmy's done a tool, and then there's also a, um, you know, the tool, the tool allows you to fiddle around and, and put your own values and your own estimates in and see what, what kind of uh, fees get spat out. And then I think there's also an article by uh, Lunar Evangelist who's done a Medium article um, kind of looking at the different, uh, a breakdown of all the different um, potential fees and, and, and what that could look like. So if, if you haven't got the opportunity yet, maybe uh, that, that Notion site that Jimmy linked to is, uh, is a good resource. Cool. I think I think we covered most of the to uh, the token value that I wanted to cover there. I think the only functionality of the token that we've maybe not covered, um, particularly at launch, is probably the the governance side of things. So, I presume that the X Prism holders will be um, essentially the, the governance of the uh, protocol. Um, what sort of proposals do you expect? XPRISM holders to be voting on as the protocol matures? So I think there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some stuff initially that I think is really interesting. Um, and then there's some stuff in the future as the protocol starts accruing assets that is going to be even more interesting. Um, so I guess like to start off initially, it's going to be, you're going to be um, looking at things like liquidity incentives because we're running our own decks. Um, People are going to vote for uh, for which assets get listed on the decks. So we're not going to. It's um, to avoid a situation where we get too many uh, Doge coins listed on the decks. Everything's going to have to get listed via uh, approved via X Prism governance. Um, key key parameters around fees that the protocol charges are going to get uh, voted on by governance. And then, so all all those kind of like. Uh, Usual, th usual things like community grants, community funding proposals. And then on top of that, um, there's also an interesting angle where as PRISM, uh, as PRISM ends up getting, um, you know, m more and more tokens, let's say sort of governance tokens get refracted in PRISM, PRISM's actually going to start accruing voting power in these, uh, in these, uh, governance tokens and there's a chance if the scale uh, if prism reaches that scale then in the future x prism will be able to vote on some of these uh, on some of these uh, governance tokens say for example we refracted anchor token or we refracted mirror um, you x prism might be able to vote on that in a similar math method to uh, convex and curve at the moment i think also uh, Prism X Prism tokens going to vote on who the validators are. So we're going to democratize that. We have a short list at the moment, and then in the future, validators that are the X Prism community will get to decide which validators are providing the most value to 
prison protocol and so they'll get to they'll get to vote on things like that so it's in, it's intended that all major decisions basically are taken by uh, ex prison governance holders interesting and and just one last question actually since you mentioned the the curve wars there that are going on over on ethereum do you envisage a a ve uh, a vote escrow prism like a time locked prism in the future yeah i th- i think we um i think again it's it's on the roadmap and it's something that i think is very interesting and has very positive value accrual and i think that uh, if if effects prism holders want it i think that's uh, i definitely think that's something that um we would look to do because i think it's a really interesting model and it seems to be working very well for curve cool thanks guys so so a little bit on the tokenomics there and, and if anyone else wants to come in at the end and ask any follow-up questions yet yeah, please do uh, raise your hand as we get towards the end of the the launch discussion so on to the launch so we've got this four phase launch that's coming up starting on the 25th of January. Phase one, you've termed Prism Forge. Now, I think my understanding is that this is, there was a previous announcement that this of this Pylon Scout launch model. I think that this is the same thing rebranded, but being hosted by Prism. So, so maybe you can fill us in on that. Um, I guess, uh, when and where is, is Forge taking place? And, and, and tell us a little bit about how it works. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so originally, I guess we were trying to look at fair launch methodologies, and we spent a lot of time looking at liquidity bootstrapping pools. Um, we had a bit of a look at things like reverse Dutch auctions, and then we saw the Mango Markets launch on Solana, and that seemed like a really great method where everyone chooses the price. There's no time advantages. Bots can't kind of front run you. Um, and so you end up having this situation where it's it feels a lot, it feels a lot fairer and it feels like it solves a lot of the issues that um that were happening with some of the other launches that uh, that we'd seen. So ultimately the, the most important thing about this is everyone's gonna get the same price and everyone will have plenty of time. And you're not going to have a situation where you have huge. Net, uh, you're unlikely to have a situation where you have huge network congestion that we've seen on some other fixed price swap events or um, initial dex offerings. And so we were we were looking at uh, we we uh, built the smart contracts for this and liked it, and we were looking at partnering up with Pylon on it. Um, obviously, Pylon's had a lot of changes since, and uh, and. Is, is doing amazingly well. And so I, I think for um, simplicity, it made most sense to uh, reevaluate and launch from our own web app. And then obviously in the future, um, you know, there's an opportunity for lots of partnership with, uh, with Pylon, uh, particularly as it relates to them using YLuna to allow people to do yield swaps for new protocols using YLuna rather than UST. Um, so that's kind of like why we ended up launching on our uh on our uh web app and so the way that phase one is going to work is basically there jimmy did we did you lose hyperion yeah we certainly did (laughs) are you um are you able to are you able to take over from where we lost him there yeah so um i think i think i think uh 
Mr. Refractor here was about to go into phase one launch, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. So for phase one, um, we'll have five days in total for the first phase. So for the first four days, um, you'll have unlimited time. Well, you'll, you'll have unlimited opportunity to deposit and withdraw as much UST as you'd like. Um, you know, there's no time advantage here. You have plenty of time um, in the first four days. Um, you can kind of just gauge you know, the number of deposits, you can gauge um, folks withdrawing, and you can um, really mull over and sleep over, you know, how much UST you actually want to, um, you know, contribute over many nights. And then on the final day, um, the amount of UST that you're able to withdraw decreases by every hour. And you will only be able to withdraw UST one time. Um, that's really important. So we, we definitely took some, um, you know, inspiration from, you know, the Astroport lock drop, and we wanted to we wanted to be as simple as possible, um, and at the same time, disincentivize any whales that might be trying to manipulate the price, right? And we, we studied the Mango Markets launch, and I think the biggest um, feedback or the biggest pain point that pain point that folks had was that, you know, there were whales that were depositing huge amounts of UST with the intention at the very last moment to withdraw um, um, the majority of their UST, right? So they would essentially spook away some of the smaller players. Um, but by implementing this for the last day, where the longer you wait, the less, uh, the less UST you're able to withdraw, and the fact that on the last day you can only withdraw your UST one time, um, that should disincentivize any price manipulation towards the very end. Um, yeah, so I think that's uh, you know phase one of the four-part uh, launch in a gist. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I first. Um, I remember when I first read about Pylon Scout, and 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 that was before any there'd been any uh, liquidity bootstrapping pools it, it was before we'd seen the astroport launch i wasn't particularly personally familiar with how the mango markets launch went so uh high period big yikes can't apologize enough sorry ben, <laughs> no worries i thought if, if you had uh, loads of feedback from you as well uh, i thought that if you had a co-host it didn't break but um there we go um Okay, I'm just going to pick up from where we were, which we were discussing. Um, we were discussing phase one of of the Prism launch. I was saying how initially I found the idea really daunting. Um, wasn't familiar with this type of launch, but I think the more that I've looked at it, the the, the simpler it is, right? And just to just to put it in layman's terms um, for all the other smooth-brained lunatics in here, like myself. Um, so phase one, there's going to be seventy million. A prism on one side that sat there waiting to be bought and um anyone who wants to participate can can um can uh, deposit ust into the vault and essentially that 70 million will be split between the amount of ust that's in the vault so in the situation where um this let's just for for ease's sake let's say there's 70 million ust deposited into the vault then each prism will be uh, valued at one dollar, and you'll receive. Say you've put a hundred dollars into the vault, you'll receive a hundred prism at one dollar. I think that's my understanding, right? Is is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, e e exactly. So it's so it's 
super simple like that. Everyone gets the um, everyone gets exactly the same price. I'd say hopefully the medium article we put out gives a good overview. And also, you know, shout out to um, Danku who's done a, a a brilliant video and Twitter thread on it, which you'll find obviously on his account, or you can go to the Prison Protocol Notion site as well. Yeah, absolutely. I watched that video. Great video. Thank, thank you, as always. Um, and then, and then you've just got, and then I guess the other thing is that you've just got this one day, similar to how Astroport had the the lock shop and then the withdrawal phase. You've just got this kind of like twenty four hour window that, if anyone feels like either maybe the they may feel that the, the tokens are overpriced or they may have to commit their funds elsewhere, they've got that twenty four hour window to remove that kind of is a sliding scale in terms of how much you can withdraw over that 24 hours, right? And the, is that right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I think I caught Jimmy mentioning it earlier on. That's um, That was obviously successful with Astroport. And one of the things with these uh, launches on Solana where there wasn't a stepped down period was that, um, you know, larger, larger participants or, or whales were leaving it until the very last moment to withdraw surplus ust that they never intended to spend or usdc in that case and uh sort of crash the price lower but because there was large amounts of usdc in there before that had put off a lot of people from participating so by having this step down method you avoid a situation where people can wait until the last few blocks um to withdraw all you know surplus ust that's uh, that's that's been used to kind of dissuade people from participating yeah, I think that was one of my initial fears, and I, I definitely think that the the, the 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 steps that you've put in, I think, will protect against any silly business in phase one that leads through to phase two, like like you said, like that could happen with with that pure mango markets launch strategy. So, so phase one takes part over those five days, starting the twenty fifth of February, and the four days of with of unlimited deposit and withdrawal and then that 24 hour withdrawal period um at the end so after that's finished i think we go into phase two and if, if i'm right in understanding maybe you can just explain phase two is essentially the launch of prism swap uh, as in your your amm but it's just the prism and ust pair that's going to be launched Sorry, yeah. So we will we're going to seed the liquidity pools, and then um, people will start uh, being able to swap Prism for UST or vice versa. I think the you know the important thing here for 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 people is there are there are no airdrops or there's no um, VC tokens. There have been no VCs, um, and so there's no tokens generating from anywhere else that can be sold in that initial phase to beyond the people that bought in phase one. So everyone who participates in phase one in Prism Forge um, has made an active choice to buy Prism tokens rather than being a passive recipient like a, um, like a uh, an airdrop recipient, for an example. And so therefore the only people that can sell Prism tokens in phase two are gonna, people, are gonna be people that have already chosen to actively buy. Um, so it should it should hope, hopefully result in um, you know a, a, a fair launch on a dex where you're not going to see huge spikes and people that um, bought in phase one 
um, are able to kind of like, you know, add to their position or hold and, and it can only be them that could be sellers. Okay. And so going into phase two, do I, 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 if, if I participated in prison forging phase one, I would have the full amount of prism that I bought going into phase two. Um, and, and if so, uh, do I also have the opportunity to add liquidity to the pair if, if I wanted to, and will there be any incentives on that pair? Yeah, exactly. So you are going to, um, I guess, you know, it's been, it's been good to be able to learn from other launches on Terra. And so you will have, um, a hundred percent of the tokens from phase one will be released to people that participated in phase one. And there is the reason for doing that is to make sure that we don't have any large unlocks or large cliffs, you know, so we're not releasing 25% initially, and then another 75% later on. So people don't have to be worried about a large event. And so, um, so that, so you're going to get a hundred percent of your tokens. You're going to be able to be a liquidity provider. If you then want to combine your tokens with UST to be a liquidity provider and your, uh, the intention is you're going to be able to stake your liquidity provider tokens to earn, um, liquidity incentives. Just, just in terms of how, how deep will the liquidity be that's being provided by the protocol? Have you set any parameters around that yet? Yeah, we have, we have, um, we have amounts we're targeting. Some of the, the, the intention is to provide pretty deep liquidity at the start so that um, the protocol doesn't, uh, you know, again, learning from experiences of others has been beneficial. And so we don't want to have a situation where we're firing out hugely inflationary liquidity incentives that people are, um, you know, people are going to take profits on. And so we want to uh, provide very deep liquidity and moderate liquidity incentives. So it's not a, a huge farming pair, but it's still lucrative for people who want to provide liquidity. Makes sense. Thank you. Okay. I think phase two seems pretty simple. Um, now, I think, uh, I, sorry, just before we do move on, have you got a, a date fixed in for, for phase two? Do you expect that you'll be going straight out of the forge into uh, the prism swap in phase two, or will there be a, a time period in between? So the intention at the moment is to start Prism's, uh, Prism Forge on the 25th of January at 7 a.m. UTC, which would mean that Prism Forge would finish on the 30th of Jan, I want to say, at 7 a.m. UTC. And so the intention then is to roll very quickly onto um, Prism Swap, so either the same day or, or a day later or something like that um, is the plan. And we probably will announce when we're going to, we'll probably announce when we've launched Prism Swap after the fact so that people, you know, people can't time it. And so that it's kind of like a fair launch where, again, you're not having network congestion or, or everyone queuing up to buy at the same time. So that's it. That's when it's kind of like estimated to launch. Cool. Makes sense. Okay. And then we roll into phase three, which I think is, is the real right. slide. Yeah, hi. Can I just add real quick that yeah, sure. um, I just want to draw comparisons to uh, and differences to Ash Report's phase two of their lock drop. I think some folks were confused in the Discord where they thought that, you know, um, you know, for phase one or for phase two of Prism that they'd be getting some LP tokens back. Um, but I just wanted to 
to to confirm and reiterate that you know for phase one of uh, for for Prism Forge, you're depositing UST and you're getting Prism tokens back. Um, you won't be getting any UST back, and you won't be getting any LP tokens back. Yeah, I mean, now you mentioned it, I have seen that question pop up a couple of times. So thanks for uh, stepping in and clarifying, Jimmy. Um, so yeah, as I say, after phase two, after the Prism UST swap opens, we'll be rolling then into what I understand is phase three, which is the bit that we're all excited about. And this is the part where we can start finally refracting Luna into uh, the infamous Y Luna and P Luna. Um, <clears throat> I think before we go into like the functionality that's going to be available at launch, um, my understanding is that you're going to be launching on testnet before the full launch. Just wanted to understand a kind of again when you anticipate that happening, um, and and why you're doing the testnet launch before uh, rather than just going straight into a mainnet launch. Yeah, I think the the thinking behind that is. This is going to be a new concept for people, um, you know, splitting splitting their tokens up, and it's you know it's it's going to be something you know new for me when it when it fully goes live as well. So it's going to, I think it's going to be really good for people to be able to have a play around with it on testnet and practice it um, free of any worry that you know they're actually doing something with their Luna that they're not quite sure what they're doing. So the reason to open it up on testnet is to let people get themselves some testnet lunar tokens, practice refracting them, practice putting them in one of the liquidity pools, um, and let them familiarize themselves with the web app. And then once we've done that for, you know, people have done that for a little bit, we're going to turn on the full functionality and go to mainnet. And that's going to be in a, the plan is that that's going to be a, you know, a couple of days of testnet and then mainnet. And then people will be, for the first time ever, able to actually refract their Luna into Y Luna and P Luna. I think you've got that estimated uh, to start, I guess, maybe the testnet starting around the 4th of February. Are you still feeling confident that you're going to to hit that uh, deadline? <laughs> I, I... I wasn't until you asked me that. I think... I think um, no, I, I, I feel like, I feel like we're, we're definitely still looking to hit, to hit that deadline. We want to have, the plan is to, because once mainnet launches, that's when people can start, uh, stake their PRISM tokens and start earning protocol fees. And so we want to have a smaller gap as possible between people buying their PRISM tokens in PRISM Forge and actually getting to use their PRISM tokens in liquidity pools and uh, in all seven liquidity pools, getting to try out leaving a limit order and getting to use their X Prism token to start earning earning protocol fees. So we're very focused on making sure that we keep that gap as, as small as possible for people whilst still giving them the opportunity to practice refracting on the web app before the full main map. Yeah, I think um, there's definitely been some community frustration with all the launches where there's maybe a significant delay between the token actually being released and then it having any utility. So I think that's admirable that you're aiming to get utility around the token within hopefully kind of uh, 10, uh, 10 days to two weeks uh, by looking at these timeframes. So uh, that's ambitious and fingers crossed. Uh, you mentioned there uh, a few of the activities um, that people will be under able to undertake when the 
when the web app goes live. Do you want to maybe just talk through like maybe um, the functionality that's going to be available, like what people will be able to do, I guess in particular with their with their Y Lunar, with their P Lunar and, and with their Prism? Yeah, so you're going to be able to you're going to be able to take a Lunar token and put that in the Prism Vault and effectively get Y Lunar and P Lunar back in return. You're going to be able to then take that Y Lunar and put it into one of the staking contracts and start earning your Lunar yield and airdrops. And I guess a, a quick note on that is if you have Lunar in Terra Station um, staked, then you receive your rewards in some in Terra stable coins, so UST, KRT, etc. Some in Luna, and then obviously you get your airdrops. What Prism is going to do is it's going to take the Terra stable coins portion of that and convert it to Luna. Then it's going to combine that with the other Luna that you receive as part of your staking rewards and use that to mint you Y Luna and P Luna. And then that's going to get distributed to Y Luna holders alongside their airdrops. So their Anchor airdrops and their Valkyrie airdrops, for example. Um, so that's, that's, that's what you're going to be able to do, practice doing if you stake your Y Luna. And the advantage of that is you're effectively DCA buying Luna um, with your Terra stablecoin portion of your, uh, of your awards. And that was kind of a requested, sort of highly requested feature from people. And so you're going to be able to refract your Luna. You're going to be able to stake your Y Luna. You're going to be able to be a liquidity provider. So you can take anything of Y Luna, P Luna, C Luna, Luna, um, Prism or X Prism, UST or AUST, and be a liquidity provider in any of the seven liquidity pools. And then, um, as we just spoke about, you're going to be able to take your Prism token and you're going to be able to put it into the X Prism pool and receive an X Prism token in return. And that uh, X Prism pool is going to start getting paid fees that the protocol earns that we mentioned earlier on. So the portion of the yield of assets in the vault. Um, limit order fees and swap fees on the AMM. And the limit order fees, that's going to be another functionality that you can do. Uh, it's planned to do during phase three is you're going to be able to leave a limit order. And you're going to, one of the features we're excited about um, is that you're going to be able to leave a limit order in AUST to buy Luna. So you can leave an order for as long as you want um, in AUST, knowing that your AUST is still working for you at 20% yield. And you're going to be safe in the knowledge that if Luna wicks down or whatever, you're going to be able to uh, you're going to be able to have a limit order that buys you cheap Luna if there's an event that goes down beyond your limit price, for example. So those are the main functionalities that you're going to have when uh, Mainnet goes live. Jimmy, correct me if you think I've missed any, I've, I've missed out on anything, but I think those are the main ones. Yeah, I think um, the four value accrual as well. Um, you know these these limit order bots. I think right now the only the only way that we can do that um, for uh, you know for for most of uh, our coins is either going through like a centralized exchange that might have limit orders. Um, Kujira kind of helps us buy um, you know be Luna and be ETH during liquidation events. Um, but these limit orders will allow us uh, to to do this for all the pairs. Uh, on um, 
on uh, on Prism Swap, but uh, hopefully we can extend this to to other pairs and other dexes in the future. And and all of this value is just being accrued back to uh, X Prism stakers. I have to say I'm uh, I'm really excited for for limit orders on Terra. Um, I think it's uh, something that's yeah definitely been lacking in terms of functionality. Although I guess that's just the, the nature of uh, decentralized exchanges. Um, just I guess a, a question of interest from me. Um, when, when often when you see these big wicks down, they're often bought up very quickly by bots. Do you expect that the that limit orders will be hit versus the bots? Will there be some competition there? How do you think things are going to work? Yeah. So the way we've done it. So so um, you know there there are some other limit orders uh, sort of iterations on Terra. And I think one of the sort of feedback that we've heard from that we've heard from people is that you know their target price will be reached or it'll go well through their target price and the order won't be executed in time. So the way that we've built the limit order contract uh, for Prism is that there's going to be an element of profit built into it for the person that actually you need an external bot to execute the limit orders. And so we've introduced an element of profit for external bot operators. So there's going to be lots of people competing to execute your orders. So if you have a wick down, um, there's going to be lots of bots competing to execute. And so we anticipate that that's going to give people much faster and much better execution at, at exactly their limit price. Interesting. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out for sure. Um, just, I think we're going to move through to uh, the final phase, phase four. Um, if people do have questions that they're sitting on, now might be a good time to throw up a hand um, because once we finish phase four, we'll be opening to audience questions. So um, phase four is essentially what we call, I think you term it prism farm, um, which is uh, a really interesting concept. So kind of reminds me of... Um, pile on pools a little bit right it's kind of lossless farming of the prism token do you want to talk to that yeah so i guess very similar you know people will be familiar with uh pylon gateway people will be familiar with maybe the apollo community farming event and so it's it's similar to that you will uh take your y luna once you've refracted it and you will deposit it into the Y Luna single-sided farming contract, and you will you'll be swapping your Y Luna yield for Prism tokens. And we've put thirteen percent of the total supply to be issued linearly over a year, block by block. And so you will be able to participate in the farm. And the other things that we're doing that are maybe slightly different to um, some of the other iterations that people have seen is. Each Prism token you earn will uh, be claimable 30 days later. So there's no extremely long vesting periods. And you'll be able to take your Y Luna in and out of the farm at will without any uh, protocol applied exit fee. So you're going to be able to liquidly use your Y Luna into the farm and you can kind of dip in and dip out as you want. And there's going to be 13% of tokens issued linearly over a year with a 30-day vesting period on every single token you earn. Okay, interesting. So so I can throw some of my Y Luna into one of these farms. Sounds like I'm giving up my the, the staking yield that I would earn in, in return for 
Prism tokens. And so if I, you know, let's say it was running today, if I was farming Y, uh, farming Prism today with my Y Luna, if I, I would then receive those Prism tokens that I farmed today in 30 days time. And, you know, similarly with, you know, the ones that I farm tomorrow would be 30 days from tomorrow. Is that how that vesting schedule works? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And in terms of like the price that I'd be farming at, it sounds like rather than them be then farming at a specific price, essentially the prism tokens are distributed per block kind of proportionally to everyone who's in that Y Luna farming contract. Is that right? Exactly. So because um because the prism token will already be trading by that point and prism will already have a price it'll be a similar to say pylon gateway for the mine token or for uh, nexus or something like that where the yield number you're getting is a live yield number because uh, there's a live token price so you'll be able to see exactly what yield you're getting and whether you want to deposit your y lunar into the farm and and get that yield amazing and do you see do you see y lunar farming being like a maybe a an alternative launch method for for the projects. Yeah, I think we've. Um, I, I I know for I know for me personally, I haven't participated in too many pylon pools just because I want to main. If I have assets, I and I'm fundamentally bullish Luna. Um, I want to hold on to my lunar exposure rather than depositing UST into pylon when I could be using that UST to buy Luna instead. So. I think we've definitely been speaking with Pylon, obviously, and we've been speaking with other protocols who've indicated that they're really interested to allow people to swap Y Luna yield for protocol tokens because um, that allows the, the participants to keep their full lunar exposure and have that working for them while still farming tokens in new protocols. So. Um, I think White Whale also made an announcement that they uh, that once Y Lunar is farming is live, that's something that they definitely consider as well. And there's others there's others we've spoken to as well that are, that are keen for it. So I think I think it should I, I think it should be pretty popular. Hopefully, I think um, in this particular case as well, like dipping it, the ability to dip in and out of that pool uh, as and when you like as well will probably make it pretty popular as well I, I, and i'm just looking at the medium here so you're planning on going live with phase four which is the final phase in and around the uh, 9th of february so i think that pretty much is about two weeks from the start of forge on the 25th of january through to the 30th and we're hoping to go with prism swap prism ust uh, as phase two on the in around the 30th of january um hoping to start the test net on um the protocol in around the 4th of february and then hopefully that goes through to mainnet and then the y lunar farming will start in around the 9th of february is that right exactly and so the aim of having the y lunar farming at the end and after a couple of days you know or a week of mainnet is to allow people just to have practice and make sure they know how to um, refract Y Luna or refract Luna into Y Luna and P Luna, because we don't want the you know the way these pools work sometimes is you have incredibly high APR at the start uh, as people aren't aware of the pools, 
and also it benefits it, it you know to that extent it benefits sophisticated users over newer users because they have to perform you know converting your lunar into y lunar and p lunar is going to be a new action for lots of people and the more crypto native people will easily be able to do that and capture high aprs if we launched everything together so by giving it a little bit of time um, for everyone's practice before we launch the Y Luna farming, it's going to give everyone a much fairer chance to get in and get those uh, and get those high APRs at the start. Cool. Um, I'm about to, we've got Bernardo up here on stage. We're about to flip over to questions. Before we do, uh, Jimmy, is there anything that you wanted to add or Hyperion, anything you wanted to add uh, based on what we've talked about? I mean, I'd love to jump into a bunch of other stuff, but I know that people have questions on the launch. So no imagining them today, first. Jimmy. Yeah, no imagining today. I'll save that for when I when I uh, jump on Danku's uh, YouTube later. Bernardo, do you want to jump in with a question? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Uh, this was great. Uh, appreciate the overview. This is a, a newer protocol. It's taking me several reviews just to make sure I've, I understand all the components. And uh, looked at Dankuar's video yesterday, so that was very helpful. But one question I had just in terms of the rollout, um, just want to make sure I'm, I'm tracking. Phase two, we'll get the PRISM tokens. We can add UST to, you know, basically create a liquidity pool with the PRISM tokens. Will we then be given XPRISM? And will that just continue to accumulate while the test net is going on so that once it goes live, we'll have those X tokens that will then be able to accrue fees from, uh, you know, the, the the X and I mean the the Y Luna that's that's being farmed. Hey, but I, know, I think I think yeah, I, I heard you. I think uh, Mr. Refractors might have some issues. If oh. uh, yeah, if he's having issues, I can try. To think. My phone can't seem to handle Twitter Spaces for uh, for some reason. Um, the uh, no, that's a, that's a great question. So, at, at, at in phase two, you're going to get all your tokens from Prism Forge, and um, then you're going to be able to uh, be a liquidity provider if you want. The staking functionality, so depositing your Prism tokens into the X Prism pool, is something that's getting enabled during phase three. So it's phase three is where you're going to be able to start accruing fees and yield from the protocol. And so phase three is where you'll be able to use your prism to mint X prism effectively. Okay. Now that makes sense. I mean, I think it's a great uh, staging and it definitely, well, hopefully prevents the um, the sell pressure that, that seems to take place with, with the new launches. There's more incentive to, to really let the various phases play out so that you can really participate fully so this was great thanks a lot no worries uh, i mean like on you know on on that point i guess i i'd kind of reiterate like so because there's no airdrops and because there's no um you know no very f low price fixed price swap you're not gonna have uh, you, sh you theoretically shouldn't have the same kind of selling pressure that you see sometimes after launches on other protocols, because a lot of people are sat on very high unrealized gains, or there are airdrops that um, passive participants have received that didn't actively go out to buy the protocol, um, or there is, you know, uh, there are VC tokens released at the token generation event. Um, so we, you know, we're hopeful that 
this is going to create a sort of fairer, smoother launch where the only people that control the token price um, downwards in phase two would be people that have bought in phase one. And given they've made the active choice to buy in or participate in Prism Forge, um, you, 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 you would hope they'd be less, you know, that, that would be, uh, they're, they're taking a longer term view on the protocol. No, that makes sense. Fingers crossed. Thanks again. Thanks for the question, Bernardo. Um, I think we've got Mahesh up here uh, with a question. Uh, I don't have anyone else lined up. I think there's about 250 people in here. So if, if anyone does have a question, it's a really great opportunity to ask um, Hyperion and Jimmy here. Uh, hi, uh, this is Mahesh. I just have a question about, uh, to my understanding, like we have to put Luna in the Prism world and then uh, get C Luna and then P Luna and Y Luna. Like, how do I get my Luna out of Prism world? Like, do I have to uh, give P Luna and Y Luna to get my Luna back from the Prism world? Yeah, great, great question. So it's going to be very similar. I don't know, um, you know, I think a lot of people on Terra are familiar with when you deposit Luna into Anchor, you get B Luna. Well, what really happens in Prism is when you deposit Luna into Prism, um, you get C Luna, which is your collateral token, which represents your ownership of the Luna that you just put into the Prism Vault. And then that okay. C Luna is what you can refract into Y Luna and P Luna. And so mm -hmm. Y Luna and P Luna can be merged to give you a C Luna back. And then... Oh. And yeah, and then with your sorry, say again. So to get C Luna, I have to give equal amounts of uh, P Luna and Y Luna, right? Exactly. So you would you would do so. Basically, you've got say um, say you've um, split your Luna, and you've got now say you've got one P Luna and one Y Luna. You have several different choices if you want to get um, back to Luna. You can either just swap your P Luna for Luna and your Y Luna for Luna on the AMN. The next choice is you could merge your P Luna and Y Luna. So one Y Luna plus one P Luna is going to give you one C Luna. And then once, oh. you, uh, once you've done that and you have your C Luna, you have the same two choices that you have um, on Anchor Protocol. You can either slot the, start the slow unbonding period, um, which starts Luna's native unstaking period, or you can swap your C Luna for Luna on the AMM the same way that you do with B Luna to Luna on the AMM that people are people are familiar with. So you've got multiple different choices basically to get back from P Luna and Y Luna to Luna. Okay, okay, thank you. Uh, that answered my question. No worries. Yeah, thanks, Mesh. I think that's uh, probably a question that that lots of people have in terms of like, okay, once I've got all these different alphabet Lunas, how the hell do I get back to native Luna if I want to get there? So um, thanks for the question, Jimmy. Were you about to add something there as well? Yeah, I think, you know, um, if, if folks here have participated in Nexus Protocol, they'll know that, you know, they can put B-Luna inside, you know, the, the Luna vaults at Nexus and you'll get a receipt token back as N-Luna. Um, so here it kind of works the same way where you're putting in Luna and you, you're getting back um, a C-Luna. And, and I think, you know, from what I've played with on the testnet, we, we kind of abstract away uh, a bit of that. So you know, if you're depositing Luna, you probably want, you know, the, the P tokens and the Y tokens. Um, and of course, like when we play around with the, when everyone gets a chance to play around with the test net, they'll, they'll get a chance to refract and remint um, all their tokens. And I think if, if, if folks knew what was going on 
behind the scenes and kind of understood that um, these market forces will create, um, you know, at very various prices for N Luna, B Luna, regular Luna, you know, Luna X, and all these different Lunas, such that a lot of arbitrage opportunities will exist. Um, and I think, you know, just to bring it back to, um, you know, the, the point earlier for for prison swap and the value accrual of X Prism is that more trading activity that we have, um, the more value that's you know, being um, accrued and generated back to ex-prism stakers. Yeah, I think the the arbitrage opportunities, and I think Hyperion is going to be spending some time talking to Sefi on uh, Thursday uh, Thursday about that. So, uh, so uh, make sure you tune into that to understand a little bit more about those arbitrage opportunities. Um, I think Zero X knew the Terra Degen is uh, next up with his question. I hope that his question matches his name. <laughs> I hope as well. Thanks for organizing this. Um, everything sounds smooth and well thought. Um, I have a question about the phase one. So you explained this concept of preventing a whales of manipulating the price at the very end of the phase one. But uh, can you explain why it doesn't make sense? to uh, put a, a cap on the amount of USD that you can initially deposit to the vault in the phase one? Yeah, um, so, there's no, so just to clarify that, so there's no uh, limit on the amount you can deposit in, uh, in, fa in the first four days. So it's a five-day process, Prism Forge. There's no limit on the amount of UST that you can deposit in in the first four days and in the on the fifth day the amount that you can withdraw similar to astroport uh decreases lin uh, linearly once per hour for us uh as uh until it's until you get to the end of day five so for the first hour you can withdraw 96 percent for the next hour you can withdraw 92 percent um, so that kind of allows you a process where on these launches on Solana, what you ended up have, having was, say, say a whale wanted to buy um, 10 millions worth of the tokens. What you were having a situation was whales were putting in, say, $50 million pretty early on in the, in the, in the first uh, phase of it. And that was deterring people from participating because it made it look like the token was going to be extremely expensive. And then what happened in the very last seconds of, of this, uh, the last stage where there wasn't any cap on how much people could withdraw was that the whales were then waiting to the very last minute to withdraw the, the 40 million excess that they deposited so that they only still had the original 10 million that they wanted. And by doing that, they put, they put off a lot of people from participating. So that's why we that's why we've taken these measures. And I think feedback. You know, we watch very carefully community feedback after the Astra port launch, and people people were really extremely positive about this similar method on the Astra port launch um, for the final day. And so that's uh, or for the final two days, as it was for Astro, but it's going to be one day for us. And so. That's that's what we're uh, that's what we're trying to do because we hope it'll have some familiarity for people, and it seemed to work well for Astroport, and feedback seemed to be very positive from people that it was uh, a fair way of doing it. Does that answer the question, Mr. Noob? 
Mm, I still didn't uh, get the answer about why not uh, limiting the 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 initial amount of USD. I mean, oh, sorry. Your 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 question is uh, your question is why did we not uh, yes. provide a cap? Um, yes. I, I guess my I guess my question I guess my question is like, well, my 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 thoughts on this are, it's it's hard to find the right level for for people because you know ten dollars to one person might be an extremely material amount and ten million dollars to another person might be an extremely material amount. So. You know, we wanted to, and the other aim of this is to find a fair market price for the token so that we can list it without any uh, any large initial spikes, and so that so that people the the um, community gets to set the price. And if you restrict people on um, how much they're allowed to deposit, then you won't end up with a fair price, and the community won't uh, won't decide the price, and you'll end up with these token spikes or um or kind of other issues that uh that can that can be not beneficial for people or for, or for protocols as well so that's kind of like why we haven't um why we haven't restricted it i think um f- from my perspective right um if someone wants to put 10 million dollars in and they're and they're happy that they want that amount of prism they're going to get that prism at the same price as someone who's going to put 100 dollars in right so they don't really get much uh, advantage by by putting a large amount in. They're they're going to be buying at the same price as everyone else. And I, yeah, exactly. And I, and I'd also add like, you know, there are there are measures you can put in place, but ultimately, if you if you restricted the amount, people are just going to create multiple different wallets, and they're just going to they're just going to buy with multiple different wallets, and then you start going down the road of whether you then need to start whitelisting wallets etc um and it adds a lot of complexity in it and doesn't um and doesn't end up in you know fair participation for everyone basically so that's that's kind of why it why it made sense and you know similar to astroport they didn't they didn't have a um you know a, a cap and you know same for these launches on uh, on solana and so it's it, it you know feedback's been really positive these tokens will end up finding a fairer market price and so I think it's in the long term for people who are taking a long term view on the protocol. I think it's uh, you know hopefully going to be a really fair, clean way of launching for them. Thanks, thanks, thanks a lot. That explains everything that they wanted. Cool, appreciate the question. Thank you. Good thanks question. Um, CJ, uh, next up. Hey guys, thanks so much for what you're doing. It's awesome. Um, this is super helpful. I know for everyone that's interested in participating with PRISM, um, my question kind of builds off Mahesh's question and it's just the concern about the risk of not being able to be made whole again. And I'm just wondering like over time, um, the arbitrage opportunities that you're speaking about and that kind of stuff, I mean, are we going to potentially end up in the situation where there are massive price variations between Y Luna and um, P Luna, and you know, if I sell all my P Luna for Y Luna, and I've got that double yield, um, but then the price of P Luna shoots up, and I can't get back to where I was, I can't get my Luna back. Like, what what does that kind of look like down the road? Do you think? Yeah, great, great question. So, you know, one of one of the interesting things about this is lots of people have lots of very different views about where they think Y Luna and P Luna should trade. Um, given the 
feedback that we've that we've seen and discussions we've had. And so I think the best thing for, for people is to work out whether you fall in the camp of do you have a strong view about whether what where Y Lunar and P Lunar should trade? If so, look at the prices and and um and take your take your positions to kind of suit your view. Or what I'd adv uh, I'd advocate for people that aren't um that don't have a strong view on that initially is refract your P Lunar and Y Lunar and then you can deposit your Y Lunar into the farm. If you want, you can use your P Lunar um, in a liquidity pool. But I would I'd advocate initially refract them and then hold on to them and wait for the kind of like market to settle down a bit. So either work, yeah, either have a strong view on where they should trade and, and, and use that or um, kind of wait to see where the market settles on it after phase three goes live. and um and 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 then take your kind of like take your views after that because it could be volatile at the start so i think people just need to be um cautious about you know immediately selling all their p luna for y luna or, or or vice versa but ultimately as long as you have one y luna and one p luna you're always going to be able to get one c luna back and always be able to kind of like reclaim luna from the vault and you're always also going to be able to swap P Luna to Luna and Y Luna to Luna and C Luna to Luna on the AMM. Hopefully, hopefully that kind of, I guess, gives gives my kind of thoughts on it. If I can add, I've been thinking about this as well. I think you're going to have people using Prism who have got different risk profiles, right? So you're going to have like low risk people may just look at Prism as a essentially like a liquid staking. Uh, tool right so if you refract uh, 100 luna into into luna exactly what um mr refractor just said there state your y luna get your staking reward sit on your p luna and then you know for a fact that at any point you're going to be able to go back to that 100 luna be made full plus anything that you've made from from your staking rewards. Um, and then you're going to have a whole range of profiles that go from people who maybe swap a little bit over, people who provide liquidity, um, uh, people who go all in on DGENs who are going to go all in Y Luna or all in P Luna. You're going to have a whole range of profiles. But as as, as Mr. Refractor said, like if you're concerned about being made, made whole again, just keep hold of both parts of your Luna, don't do anything silly with them, and uh, you certainly won't lose anything. Does that answer the question, CJ? Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. I guess the other um, option you've got is maybe just to sit on the sidelines and, and wait and see what happens with it um, as well, because, you know, you're minting, um, as I understand it, like it's one for one at the start, but if you wait a little bit, um, I might be able to get more Y Luna um, then one to one, um, if if that kind of ratio changes over time. But yeah, it's all I guess like you were saying, it's all about that risk profile. So um, thanks so much, guys. It's been super helpful. Cool, good to yeah. hear from you. And and what I yeah, what what I'd say is like, you know, we we want to. I think as we discussed before, we want to we want people, regardless of your risk profile, um, we want people to be able to feel if they choose to, that they can participate in the Y Luna farming event. And so if you don't want to trade all your Y Luna, for, uh, sorry, all your P Luna for Y Luna to sort of max out in the farming event, you can still participate in the farming event by just refracting your Luna into P Luna and Y Luna and just depositing the Y Luna into the farming event. So 
you know, whatever your risk profile, you'll still be able to participate in the Y Lunar event, knowing that you can still be, uh, you can still make your Lunar hole again afterwards if you want. And I think I'll just add here that um, you know we're we're diving into the imagination theory, uh, you know, realm here, and I just wanted to kind of do a little plug for um, Orbital Command and the audience there. We're going to be working with them on essentially making. Um, like categorizing all the different strategies and things that you can do with the various components and kind of just putting personas around, you know, if you're, um, you know, extremely risk intolerant and you just want to be safe with your Luna bag versus, you know, you're a total degenerate and you're going to sell a portion of, you know, your P Luna to go cross chain onto Metis and start farming all of the interesting pools that they have going on over there. Um, so be, yeah, just to kind of allude to that and, uh, let everyone know to be on the lookout for that, uh, in, in the near future. Nice tee up for Orbital Command, uh, Jimmy, because next question is from, uh, Dr. Doscoin, who is, uh, I believe on the Orbital Command team. Oh, well, thank you. Indeed. Um, awesome chat, guys. I've been kind of in and out, so I've, I've missed bits and pieces, but the bits I've heard have been really exciting. Um, I think my question is probably a really basic one. Um, I just want to confirm with the the C Lunar there. Is that like a direct one for one with Lunar, or is there like arbitrage uh, arbitrage opportunities available um, between the two? Yeah, the, the uh, great question. The best way to think about the relationship between C Lunar and Lunar is exactly the same as B Lunar and Lunar. So there should be arbitrage opportunities. Obviously, the arbitrage opportunities aren't what they were on on B Lunar to Lunar. This is going to be a, lo a new lunar um, derivative, and so you you are likely to get arbitrage opportunities that people take advantage of between the price of C lunar and lunar. Cool, super super simple question, super simple answer. Appreciate that. Speaking of arbitrage opportunities, I know that we've seen, you know, the B lunar lunar spread is essentially. Um, you know, be one-to-one -one now with Astroport, um, having stable swap pools, and now that they're increasing the, um, you know, the the amplitude coefficient, uh, amplification coefficient, such that it's even more efficient. So maybe you can talk a little bit about um, if the 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 um, if there are going to be any stable swaps on Prism Swap, and uh, if if so, if not, what would it mean for uh, users of the platform? So, so stable sort wise. So, at the moment, all our pools are going to be, uh, so, uh, un, I guess, like not one hundred percent correlated assets. So, they're going to be C Luna versus Prism, uh, Luna versus Prism, etc. One of the pools that we have that would be um, potentially eligible for a stable swap or a, a stable swap with a tweak um, is the X Prism Prism pool, and on uh, you know, for those that aren't familiar on Curve Protocol, on Ethereum, uh, those pools where they're highly correlated, but one token is a compounding token versus another token, like staked ETH, ETH make uh, make for great um, make for great pools for a stable swap. So we we don't have like initial plans for it, but with all these lunar derivatives, I think. 
there's definitely going to be uh, interesting iterations later on, and they may be good candidates to either trade on Prism Swap, or it may make sense to, uh, you know, we, we imagine that pools will spring up on Astroport, on Loop, and on TerraSwap as well, and it, and it may be that these pools are great contenders for stable swap on Astroport, for example. Okay, cool. Um, so, aka maybe short term, there might be some arbitrage opportunities between um, Prism X Prism. That's what I. That's what I think. That's what I think, Sarah. And then, um, you know, the uh, it's going to be a lot of arbitrage opportunities between the price of Luna, the price of P Luna, and the price of Y Luna. I think. Um, and so, I think that I think that's definitely something that the feedback we've been getting is 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 people are quite excited about that, where they can, you know, take a hundred dollars, buy a hundred dollars worth of Luna. Um, split that into P Lunar and Y Lunar, and then sell each of those for a total of more than a hundred dollars. And I think there'll be quite a lot of opportunities like that, that at, at the start that people are able to take advantage of, and it's a it's a nicer, simpler arb for people. Cool. Yeah, I think particularly early doors. I think we've seen with lots of things that have launched on Terra early doors. There's some great arbitrage opportunities, and then people figure it out. People write bots around it, and then things tighten up over time. But uh, we had a good run on B Luna at least. Um, eager crypto. Um, you've been waiting patiently for an eager chat. Please come in and ask your question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, when Anchor launched on uh, Terra, it brought in a huge amount of TVL, and and Prism is going to be another source of stable yield. So I'm excited to see what uh, type of TVL it can pull in. Speaking of Anchor, um, I'm just kind of curious, and maybe this is just too big of a question, but um, what effect might Prism have on Anchor if it pulls in a lot of Luna or B Luna from from Anchor? Is that something you thought about? And um, um, and then the second question, I guess, is what will be the biggest effects on the yield of Luna? Are they going to be governance proposals, um, you know, Luna, like the percentage of Luna that's staked, the price of Luna? Um, what kind of things do you think will affect that yield? Thanks. Yeah, no worries at all. Just, just to clarify, I mean, on, your, on, the, on the second part of your question, are you referring to what, what, do I, what do I think the kind of like key drivers of yield in Luna or changes in the underlying Luna's yield might possibly be. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right now it was 3% and then they burned the community pool. It went up to like 10, 12%. Now it's back down to like 7% um, based on a number of factors. Um, what things do you think will most affect that in this year? Yeah. Great, uh, great question. So, so on the first part of your question, um, you know, I think that uh, I, I see plenty of room in the ecosystem for uh, you know for for Luna to be put in prison without affecting other protocols. I think we've already seen Astroport launch with a huge amount of B Luna Luna going into Astroport and getting locked up for a long time. I think we've seen um, Stata have a great launch and they've you know they've got some five and a half six million Luna or something. So whatever that is. 600 odd five 600 odd million um tvl and that uh, doesn't appear to have had a detrimental uh, detrimental effect on anchor um so i think uh I, I i feel like there's enough different things to coexist and ultimately ultimately scarce extra utility for luna is going to drive up luna's price and part of luna's yield is 
paid in Luna itself. And so that, you know, that's going to drive up that, that part of the yield as well, which is what is used to subsidize deposits in Anchor. And then on the, um, you know, on the second part of your question, so what's really interesting with Luna, I guess, uh, you know, I've, I've probably been around since the end of 2020 in the terror ecosystem, or following, started following it at the end of 2020. So, you know, I, this is, it's, uh, it's like a brief history lesson in terms of like what actually is, what's actually making up the yield that you're receiving on Luna at the moment. So previously, for people that are familiar with the burn mechanism, the on-chain burn mechanism, when, when UST is minted, obviously Luna is burned. And before that Luna, uh, when it was actually burned, it actually wasn't burned. It used to, some of it used to go to the community pool and some of it actually used to be paid out to uh, stakers. And so that's why uh, people were receiving a portion of their yield in Luna. And then the community pool at the same time also build up a huge amount. And that's what we had that burning event recently. And so Luna's yield, because you had that burning event, uh, not only did you have the community pool get burned, but what happened is on those, when Luna is burned for UST on chain, uh, a swap fee is paid. And a swap fee is like you pay on TerraSwap when you trade, you might pay 0.3%. What happens with Luna is there's a, there's a big on-chain swap fee that happens. And the, the larger the volume you try to swap in one go, uh, that fee kind of ratchets up. And so I think when it was getting swaps, the Luna was paying 30% um, in swap fees. So you ended up accruing these uh, this huge amount of UST, something like one and a half billion UST it is now, that sat in the Oracle Rewards contract, which is a fancy way of saying it's been put in a smart contract, which is going to be paid out to Luna stakers over two years. So one interesting thing that happened is initially going back to the beginning of 2021 when the uh, Luna was getting burned and 45% of it was getting paid to Luna stakers, it was generating like a, like a ton of Luna and, and people's yields were extremely high. And so a proposal was made to move that Luna from being paid out over one year to being paid out over three years. And then after the community pool burn, what we saw was uh, a proposal to move from three years to two years. So these are the kind of like, that's a long-winded way of saying like, interesting dynamics are, what if there was another proposal to change that two years to one year or to move it back from two years to four years or something like that? That drastically changes the profile of when you're receiving your yield. So... And we're also in Luna where, uh, you know, the proposal is to set the tax fee at zero, which is another source of revenue for Luna stakers. So really Luna yield now is going to is based up of all this community swap fees that have built up in this contract that's being paid out over two years. It's, there's unlikely to be another really large burning event like that. So that pools may get depleted. And then also you have uh, now your sort of swap fees are what make up your kind of like the thing that keeps, uh, you know, adding in, in small amounts to that pool. And so it's going to be, in, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, but I think like the timing of that Oracle rewards contract, how much swap fees are generated, 
the amount of like on-chain swaps, basically. So it's the volume of swaps and the size of swaps. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. And then, you know, before airdrops were making up two, three percent, four percent, five percent, you know, so like you know, nearly half of Luna's yield. And obviously, we've seen that we've seen that fall off a cliff. We've seen Mirror's airdrops stop, Mine's airdrops be reallocated. I think Anchor's looking at um, you know other initiatives that they can potentially use their airdrops for. So those are going to be the really interesting things for uh, that are kind of going to drive uh, people's people's views on why Luna. Sorry, I realise I've gone off on a bit of a monologue there. No, that's very interesting. I really appreciate the perspective. What is your opinion on the tax rate? Are you for or against that? It, I think when you were looking, I think when um, I think when you sort of looked at what the tax fees were that were actually getting paid out to stakers, because it's my understanding that those don't get rolled up and paid out over two years; they get paid out on a block by block basis, from my understanding. And they're they're, they're negligible, I think. So I don't think it. I don't think from a loon staker perspective. I don't think it's going to, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a very small rounding error on your total lunar yield. So, uh, you know, to the extent it cleans it up from a, a, a contractor's point of view, you know, a, a smart contract builder's point of view, because of these um, extra considerations they have to do when they're writing contracts to account for tax. Um, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, hopefully they leave it in there in case we need it again in the future, because once that burn runs out in two years, you know, you might need extra source to support that yield of Luna. Um, but we'll see. All right, cool. Thanks. No worries. Thanks for the question, Iga. Um, Frugal, I saw you dropped out after waiting very patiently, um, but you're back. So please come with your question. Yeah, that's how Android works. But yeah, so, um, I had a question that like you mentioned that Pylon is a place where we can also get PRISM tokens by, I think, staking Yluna. Uh, are there any other plat uh, protocols where we would be able to do that? Yeah, just to, um, so, so just to, to clarify on that, so potentially in the future, so the, the, you know, the initial conversations we'd had with Pylon are that they would enable Yluna farming for, for other protocols launching on Pylon as potentially um, a new way to, to to launch on Pylon Gateway. Obviously, uh, that would be subject to any governance approval by Pylon's new, uh, you know, governance capabilities. And in terms of other protocols, they would very they would very very easily be able to um, take Yluna and use that to launch their token. So I think you've seen something similar for people that saw. Angel launched via uh, via um, Apollo's uh, community or sort of farm shop, I think it was called, or, or uh, farmers market. So they did that. You've seen that uh, Orion did their uh, private farming event using uh, AUST, so Anchor Anchor Yield. You saw um, Apollo obviously did their did their own one. Um, so I think I think lots of protocols will. The good thing about the Yluna contract is it's very simple for people to integrate and use for their own purposes if they want to do a yield redirection. So I think Pylon will be able to do it. I imagine lots of other protocols may want to just do it natively themselves. So there's, there's, uh, you know, I think it's, 
hopefully a good building block that people can uh, that can people can build on top of not just for re- yield redirection but lots of different features um okay yeah and i had a follow up questions about limit orders so you mentioned there would be limit orders for luna would it be just for luna or would it be for c luna p luna and like uh, y luna or uh, all of them so and and one of the uh, one of the fun features about it is if you're if you're on a centralized exchange like Binance, you can only swap between the two assets on the centralized the, 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 in that particular um, market. So say it's you know BTC, USDT, or something like that. You can only leave an order in BTC to buy USDT or vice versa. Whereas on our, because of the way that AMMs work and because of our uh, limit order architecture, you're going to be able to leave an order in any asset to buy any other asset on the Prism deck. So you can leave an order with AUST to buy P Luna, Y Luna, Prism, X Prism, whatever you want, and vice versa. So, uh, so all, all orders and all combinations are going to be enabled for you uh, in in phase three. Okay, frugal. I hope that answers your questions. And um, just on the first question, just for for complete clarity, so the the Prism Y Luna farming event will take place directly on the Prism web app, not on uh, Pylon, just uh, just to clarify that point. But thanks for your question. Great questions and pretty exciting to be able to, as you say, uh, Mr. Refractor, to, to be able to maybe put in a limit order for, uh, let's hope, let's say I was hoping to pick up C Luna at a 5% discount, for example, in, in the event of some kind of market crash where everyone's trying to get out of, uh, prism to pay off loans or whatever they're doing um you know there might be some some really great opportunities there that hopefully will get picked up on so um so that's yeah, really interesting um yeah. sorry brian if i could add yeah uh, of course i think the 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 picture that mr Fractor kind of painted earlier around the history of the stakeholder rewards makes it seem like the wild luna apr staking rewards would be much more dynamic than people think. Uh, I think, you know, on the day to day, we don't see it move much, um, but it has changed quite a bit. So these, you know, combining these limit orders with these major changes in the way that Luna staking, airdrops, um, and of course, as the utility of UST just continues to, um, you know, go, go cross chain to all these other uh, different layer ones, layer twos, you know, we could see more of the, uh, you know, accelerated supply, supply shock of Luna, right? Um, so we're wrapping all of these assumptions um, and breaking them down into their individual components and allowing people to not only speculate now, but essentially leave their beliefs on, on chain, right? In the form of, hey, I believe P Luna is worth this much, Y Luna is this worth this much. I can deposit AUST and essentially not have any lost opportunity, um, essentially any opportunity cost to make this kind of bet. I think um, you know this just opens up so many new, different, uh, I guess, theories around uh, Luna and how we can execute and trade and speculate on them. I'm looking forward to some more imagining on that, Jimmy, as uh, as, as P Luna and Y Luna start to find their price in the market. Um, Raining.eth, um, thanks for your patience. Uh, you're next up with your question, sir. Hi, thank you. Um, I have a, a question. I, I recently listened to 
um, the Delphi Digital Podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, Hyperion. And uh, it got me thinking, because he told kind of the backstory of where the idea for prison came from um, with, uh, you know, the history in TradFi of bond strips um, and how, you know, you would take a bond that has, you know, let's say it's trading a par value of a thousand um, and it is, it's paying out, you know, uh, a yield every, every month or so. Um, and you would sort of strip off those bond payments and, and sell them off as one asset and then sell off the principal portion, which once the bond reaches maturity, you could turn that in for the, uh, the underlying thousand dollar, um, payment at the end of the bond. Um, and I was thinking about that in, in, in the context of a perpetual asset, um, like P Luna, um, and I'm, I'm having difficulty, uh, understanding, I guess, where the, um, underlying value of a principal portion of a perpetual would lie other than the, the governance that goes along with it. Um, because, you know, like if you had a one-year bond, um, you know, essentially like, you know, over $900 of that thousand dollars would, would be going to the principal portion, you know, and a very small portion of it would be going to, um, you know, to pay for the, the 12 monthly, you know, yield payments. Um, uh, you know, conversely, if you had like a 30 year, um, bond, um, which was paying out, you know, every month for 30 years, um, an increasing proportion of that thousand dollars, um, that, you know, the value would lie in those yield payments rather than having to wait 30 years, um, to turn in the principal portion of it and get your thousand dollars. Um, so like, like thinking about all of that, um, you know, in the case where you have a perpetual product, um, where essentially like you never turn it in um, to get the underlying value of it, right? Um, I'm having difficulty understanding like what what is P oh excuse me uh, what is P Luna uh, like what what like why why should I like essentially why should I want P Luna um, other than the governance that goes along with it? Yeah, exactly. So so the first um, so the first point you make exactly is you know where, where do you uh, where do you value governance? Because that's that's effectively what will it, it's not happening in V1, but we're going to enable governance voting with P Luna. And I think that's a really interesting question about where does where does governance, if you can isolate it, get valued? Um, as we were talking about, some of the curve wars and the and the bribing that's going on in Ethereum at the moment is providing an indication of governance. Um, and I think you also have the question of what's the utility of P Luna? Can it be a, uh, can it generate yield? Can it have useful utility? And I think as we see protocols, money market protocols evolve, um, you know, where the, the asset can be lent out, I think it starts generating yield. And then you can start doing your, your uh, cash flow based analysis of how you value it from there. And I think, like honestly, like I think it's, I think it's a super interesting question because I obviously come from a fixed income background myself, and in a fixed income background, you value everything based on cash flows, and a uh, a an asset that has an irredeemable asset that has zero cash flows associated with it um, has has a terminal value of zero, but but then 
you have things in, you know, then I start wondering, well, why does Doge trade where it does? Or why does Shiba Inu trade trade where it are, where it does? And so what's going to be interesting with this is you're you're you have the inflation hedge element of um, a principal, an asset that doesn't bear a yield. So that's something that you see with something, you know, with Bitcoin, for example, that doesn't have a yield. You also have the governance aspect of this. You have a utility aspect potentially of P Luna as more utility gets built out for it. Um, and I don't want to, uh, you know, we have we have some uh, announcements about potential utility for P Luna that uh, that you know will. We, Come out in due course once that once the relevant people have um, or the relevant protocols or applications have kind of applied that uh, you know applied that utility for them, and so it you know it's kind of working out like what does your ownership right um, to the underlying asset give you, and and fundamentally it's also one half of the key to unlock Luna from a vault, and there's a price at um, you know what price would someone would you sell that to? Uh, someone for so like there's all these kind of like different forces but but agree with you like from a fund if if things in crypto were just valued on a fundamental uh cash flow basis then um you know then then you would look at it very differently but it just uh i i guess i'd like my view is crypto just doesn't get valued on a fundamental cash or just on a uh, cash flow basis at, at the moment and then you also have these other utilities as well. Hopefully, I mean, it's a super interesting question. So like, uh, you know, always happy as well, like to jump in the Discord or jump on uh, Telegram to discuss, because I find this topic, I find this topic fascinating as well. Yeah, I, I thought your answer was interesting about um, potential other use cases for it. Um, but I mean, if that's the case, then I, I would almost think that, uh, because there is, a, there is a component of it which does have the yield, which, you know, I mean, given the crypto and especially with the question, you know, a couple a couple speakers ago had about, you know, the, the changing nature of the yield, like you're never going to be able to get um, like put your finger on, you know, what what the NPV of, of, of all future, you know, staking rewards are. Um, so it's like a super, super difficult problem to think about from the perspective of, uh, I guess, like a you know traditional financial asset like that. Um, but but almost like if you could refract it into, into two separate components that have added utility. It almost seems like, you know, they, you know, because they have more utility, they're, they're almost worth more, but then at the end of the day, they can't be worth more than what the underlying token is. But it almost like at the end of the day, then when you think about it like that, you know, the underlying token then has added utility because you can refract it into these two separate components that have added utility than before it had the ability to be refracted. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's gonna like it's gonna be really interesting to see where uh, see where the market prices it. But I agree, I, you know, I agree with you. Like, if you just think from a Luna perspective, like, okay, well, how do I value Luna just using Luna cash flow? If you if that's the way if that's the way the assets if you're taking a view that that's the way assets should be valued, it's it's a non-trivial task to value Luna because yes, it's a perpetual instrument with a cash flow associated with it. But for the reasons we discussed before, you don't know what that cash flow is going to be in a year or two years' time because this Oracle Rewards contract is getting depleted. You don't know whether there's, um, you know, what the kind of like uh, discount rate that you should be using is. So I think, as you know, you mentioned the, the Delphi podcast, 
one of the things we discussed on that is obviously a dollar a dollar now is worth much more than a dollar received in a year's time, which is worth much more than a dollar received in 10 years' time. And DeFi hasn't really had to ask itself the question of what is the appropriate um, discount rate to use to tell you what is what is the fair value of someone telling me that they're going to give me a dollar in a year's time. And so you have all of these kind of variables. And so you know, one of the key variables is going to be what is the discount rate that people use for future uh, future cash flows. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be because there's so many dynamics in play and so many different components. It's going to be you know people obviously naturally seem to be having lots of different views about where it should trade, which uh, which ultimately is going to uh, make you know make make a great market for people to uh, to, to use and and. Uh, you know, generate lots of fees for uh, for liquidity providers. I think as people uh, as people you know speculate and and put their views on that they uh, they want to represent. Yeah, and given given kind of your the statement that you made about the the value of governance and in the context of the curve wars, I mean, I can imagine a situation where you have quite a bit of Luna that's refracted, and there's you know quite a bit of um, potential governance that could be bought up for much less than what it costs to buy Luna. Um, so yeah, it, it's just some interesting implications on what that would mean for governance of, you know, the entire protocol. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not, um, you know, it obviously would take a material amount of Luna in the vault to, to, uh, skew governance given there's 330 odd million in, in Luna governance at the moment, but it is like that kind of stuff is really interesting because on curve, you know, the, uh, they, uh, Convex can control liquidity incentives and how they're allocated. Governance of a layer one is so much more than liquidity incentives. It's not just liquidity incentives. It's all the kind of community spending. It's, you know, controlling whether the Oracle rewards contract is paid out over two years versus three years or something like that. But, but as I say, like to have, to have material governance vote would require, you know, surplus six, six figures mil, uh, million of lunar into uh or sorry you know 100 million or more lunar into um into prison but i think like being fun, fundamentally being able to kind of represent your governance votes by p lunar if there's important governance proposals going through and there have been more and more recently going through i think is is going to be pretty powerful and it's going to be interesting to see how people isolate that you can dare to dream, Mr. Refractor. 100 million uh, Prism TVL. <laughs> can, um, can someone, yeah, someone put that in Jimmy's dashboard and, uh, and see what numbers <laughs> it spits out? It's a lot. It's a lot. That's a really great question. Some great thoughts there, uh, Rainy. So thank you for that. If I can just add one thing here, um, I think V1 of Prism. Uh, is is the perpetual contracts and I think you've got it planned further down the line to have um, non-perpetual uh, options with like different maturities um, is that still something that you guys are working on and how long until we can maybe expect that yeah exactly so so that is something that um, we're working on so on you know on a personal level get going back to that one dollar in the future being worth um, less than a dollar in your hand now. I think we're we're really excited to do that for um, AUST. So for AUST, imagine if you could sell a year's worth of your AUST yield. Yes, you know it might be 
approximately, you know, you might receive 20%. So if you had $100, you might receive $20 over a year. Um, but if you then sell the right to that $20, what's someone going to pay you for the right to receive an expected $20 over a year? Maybe they pay you $15, maybe they pay you $10. Um, but once you have that base layer of what people are prepared to pay you for a three-month AUST yield, six-month AUST yield, nine-month, 12-month, et cetera, um, that's going to be a core building block for, uh, for, for the rest of DeFi. And it's also, you know, you've seen protocols like um, Alchemix where you can deposit DAI and they'll give you a loan on your DAI. Maybe they'll lend you 50% of the DAI that you deposit and they're going to put your DAI to work in a yield generating protocol like Yearn on, uh, on Ethereum. Well, actually, if you start looking at what Prism can do with AUST, you might decide that you want to uh, raise 50%. Say you have 1,000 UST, you might decide that you want to raise 500 UST against your 1,000 UST. So you might end up saying, well, look, I'll, I'll mint a YAUST and a PAUST, and I'll sell that YAUST for $500. So, in a, so the price, say the price of a two-year, say the price of selling two years worth of um, or three years worth, for example, of anchor yield, say someone will pay you 50 cents on the dollar for that, then you've kind of been able to get a liquidation-free loan against your future yield. And you know that in three years' time, you're going to take your PAUST token and swap it back for your original $1,000. So it's going to allow some really interesting applications, and we're going to start doing it for... AUST and then also for things like, you know, potentially LP tokens on Astroport. If there's some LP farm that's yielding, you know, 500% or 400%, you might decide that you want to sell a three-month yield token or a, or a six-month yield token to kind of lock in that really high APR and convert it into UST so that you're not exposed to the volatility. So, yeah, so perps are the first thing, and then, um, and then fixed maturities are the, uh, are the next step. Cool. Thank you. Uh, and again, thanks for the question, Rainin. Um, some good imagining going on there. Um, Orbital Command, I'm not sure who's behind the the curtain today, but uh, thanks for waiting <laughs> patiently and uh, please come in with your question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, Zion from Orbital Command. Um, yeah, our team's grown a bit bigger now, so uh, <laughs> it could be anyone behind the curtain. But uh, yeah, so I had a question about X-PRISM actually and LPing it specifically. Um, and I don't know if this got addressed earlier when I was not on the uh, the space, but I was curious if you could, Hyperion, just expound a bit on uh, LPing X Prism and like what types of fees or yield you're accruing there. Because I believe when I was looking on the light paper, it was saying that uh, LPing X Prism would give you Luna's yield, uh, as well as some of the other regular like swap fees and incentives and stuff like that. So I, I was just curious if you could expound on like what LPing X Prism actually entails. Yeah, of, uh, of course. So, um, so I guess we're, we're in, in the light paper. I guess that that part is referring to um, the four different sources of uh, what makes X Prism's yield. So uh, that's. 10% of Y Luna yield that's of Y Luna that's staked, 100% of Y Luna yield for Y Luna and C Luna that aren't staked, 
0.1% of all uh, AMM swaps and 0.3% of uh, any successful limit order fees. And so, um, and so all of those yields are, or all of those rewards and fees are all converted to PRISM, uh, say once per day or twice per day or whatever it ends up being, and are then dropped into the XPRISM pool. So XPRISM is like AUST, so more and more uh, UST gets dropped into the AUST pool, which increases the value of AUST versus um, versus UST. So you'd have seen when Anchor launched, you could swap one UST for one AUST. Now you can swap um, one UST for 1.17 uh, AUST. And so, uh, or oh, sorry, vice versa. And the um, but that's kind of the way that you're going to see it with XPRISM. So because your XPRISM just basically represents a claim on the pool of PRISM tokens that keeps getting bigger and bigger, you can just use your XPRISM in a liquidity pool and know that the value of your claim is just increasing all the time. And this is the same with Lunar X, for example, in the Lunar Lunar X pool uh, that Stata, of, uh, the Stata are incentivizing at the moment. So your Lunar X is just constantly increasing in value as more and more uh, Lunar gets paid into the Lunar X pool. And so you can then, you, you can, for example, because XPRISM just represents a claim on a pool of PRISM tokens, you could send your XPRISM over to Solana, you could send your XPRISM over to Ethereum, you could use it in Mars protocol and lend it out as collateral, you could use it to provide liquidity on the Prism AMM or any other AMM. And all the while, the value of the pool is increasing. And you're the and as a result, the value of your X Prism is increasing. And you never have to claim rewards because it's a just an auto compounding token like that. Um, hopefully that gives a bit of an explanation. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So then that would also mean that it's it's giving you kind of like a tax advantage as well, because you don't have to go in there and claim uh you know your rewards every time and create kind of a taxable event because it's a compounding token is that am i correct in saying that um but yeah but uh i'm, I'm gonna give all the usual uh, i'm gonna give all the usual caveats about uh, not tax advice nfa yeah <laughs> uh, dyor etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know look, look i guess um i guess a way I, I i think about it is say anchor yield is 20 percent on AU on UST, I'm receiving twenty percent. If I was if I was having to claim UST and that was getting paid to me as income, um, then I would uh, then theoretically I would have to pay income tax on that. And say for argument, say income tax is at fifty percent. So if I was receiving twenty uh, percent yield on Anchor and I was having to collect all that UST. I would uh, only net receive 10% because I'm paying 50% on the 20% yield. Whereas if you have a compounding token, then technically um, in, in some jurisdictions, because that's just compounding in price and you're not receiving a regular income from it, even though it's a, a similar thing, when you sell the asset, you realize a capital gain or a chargeable gain rather than a um, income tax event, and in many jurisdictions, uh, uh, you know, for AUST, for, for me based in the UK, 
my net, I'd be paying 20% tax rather than 50% tax. So actually, my net yield on Anchor, if it was income, would be 10%, but my net yield on Anchor, because it's a compounding token, is actually 16%. So when people start looking at these headline yields, a lot of the times they should start thinking about, okay, what's my net yield after tax? And that makes uh, that can make, in certain jurisdictions, a compounding token significantly more attractive um, than an in, than an income paying token. That is super cool. Yeah, thanks for thanks for clarifying that. Um, yeah, and thanks for answering my question as well. I appreciate. It. No worries at all, sir. Thanks for the question, Zion. Um, looks like we may be on our final question here. Um, so, Fildo, please make it a good one. Oh, yes. All right. What's up, guys? Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, my brain is refracting. I'm trying to remember my question. Uh, oh, yeah, about limit orders. So uh, you mentioned the bots and the uh, the priority structure, incentive structure stuff with uh, the priority for the limit orders and how that should strengthen uh, the whole system. Um, can you go into depth on that uh, right now or later? Uh, and then, like, is it is it prioritize to the individual like let's say like myself and someone else place an order at the same price um is there a way for me to like prioritize my order over theirs some way or uh, i'm just trying to understand all of that yeah no good question so so basically um you're, you're both going to be paying a, a fee so if i'm if i'm uh, a bot executor or i'm running i'm running bots on this then to the extent um to the extent I see two orders at exactly the same uh, price, I'm gonna if unless one of them's accruing a significantly larger fee, and I'm able to discern that as a bot executor, and by larger fee I just mean a, a larger size trade, um, then I'm gonna I'm gonna end up executing that. But the actual reality of it is larger size trades result in slippage or larger slippage. So actually, the bot is just going to constantly weigh up which orders can get executed. And so smaller trades, even though they might generate less fees for the bot, might get executed at a similar time as other trades because they're going to result in less slippage. So actually, the limit order, would, the limit order level would actually be able to be achieved. But the, but the reason for doing it like this is because we're incentivizing bots, multiple different people any, anywhere in the world can run a bot and it decentralizes the execution of these orders rather than just relying on one single bot. And so these bots will all be competing over it. And if there's, if there's the, the theory is, if there's money to be made um, for a bot executor for doing these, they're gonna compete quite aggressively to execute your orders and, and you're gonna result in much better, you know, much quicker, faster execution when your limit order level is, uh, is achieved. That's kind of that's kind of how it works in a in a high level. But I mean, I can get um, if you know if you, if if we hop in the Discord or the Telegram, I can get uh, that, that makes sense. Here. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, that that makes sense to me. Uh, uh, my question, I guess, uh, implies to like the individual. That all sounds awesome, by the way. Uh, but for like the individual placing a, a limit order, can I pay more to prioritize my limit order? Like, let's say, let's say I'm not a whale. Or say I am a whale. It doesn't let, let's say that doesn't matter. But we're placing an order at the same uh, price, and I want to prioritize mine because it's important to me. Is there a way for me as an individual to do that, regardless of what these bots are doing? I guess is what I'm also asking. 
we did so so at this stage um we're not going to have that we're, we're not going to have that i mean to to the extent like it's pretty easy to it would be pretty easy to build in something that allowed for that later on if if governance the holders decided that it was it was right but in the end like you know like like you're kind of saying like we we want people to like the, the starting process for like most of the things we're trying to do is to try and level the playing field for everyone whether you whether you've got a hundred dollars you want to leave an order on or whether you've got a million dollars you want to leave an order on and so um you know we want to we don't want to like allow uh people to kind of like pay more initially to get to um so that we just basically want everyone to kind of have similar chances and to make it fair so we can, if we I could make a suggestion really quickly on that, uh, like that's why I think a percent of incentive structure for the for the uh, individual might make sense. Like, let's say I'm an, I'm a whale and I really want to prioritize my order because it's important to me. Like, I have to pay a percentage instead of a flat fee, uh, something like that. Uh, but yeah, that all that all is making sense to me. No, I, I mean those kind of suggestions. Like, I, I like like at the moment, at the moment we're going for. Um, you know the a sort of uh, user-friendly version that we want people to get in there, test it out, try leaving a limit order. You know, for, right. for a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are really familiar with leaving. You know, a lot of more sophisticated people that are a lot, you know, familiar with leaving a limit order rather than just market buying on, you know, yeah. Binance or KuCoin or as, whatever. As someone who's a DJ, and I would pay to have uh, my limit order prioritized as an individual user on the on the the user end. So that's, I guess, all I'm suggesting. Uh, there are some versions on Terra that are doing stuff like, and it's a good system, I think. Yeah, we deliberated quite a bit on, you know, what should it be a flat fee or should we take a percentage? Uh, and if there's a percentage, exactly what percentage should that be? Um, yeah, I think what Phil was mentioning is like, hey, let's just let's just let whoever uh, places the limit order, you know, let them set the fee. Um, that'll be pretty interesting, and, and maybe we can think about that a little bit more offline. Hundred percent. Thank you. Cool. Um, another great question. Yes, you can see from the reactions, there's quite a lot of interest around the limit order capability. So I think that's going to be a really popular feature. I did say that Phil was the last question. Uh, however, uh, Drick. Uh, did was up here as a speaker before, but I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure he must be an Android user because he, he he dropped out. Um, so uh, oh, he's dropped out again. I'm going to let him if he doesn't drop out have the last question, uh, and he's just connecting in as we speak. Drake, do you want to come in with your question? Thanks. I'm um, sorry, Android problems again. Uh, fascinating conversation around um, kind of why Luna and P Luna. Um, I will, I had a question, um, and I know that uh, non-perpetual uh, Y Luna is only going to come up in the future, but I wanted to understand the kind of thing, thinking around it. Um, would P Luna be fungible um, in the sense that it would be, if I think of it as a key to unlock Y Luna, would P Luna be able to unlock perpetual Y Lunas as well as the upcoming, uh, say, three-year or two-year or one-year why Luna uh, tokens that may be coming up in the future? Great question. So, um, so no, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be able to be fungible um, because if you think, for example, if you uh, if you split, and I just I just use Anchor as an example, just because it's nice, you know, nice round numbers. If you split a, uh, a you know a one year AUST token into um, YAUST and PAUST. 
then say, you know, like we were saying before, so you have $100, you're expected to receive $20 over a year. So you split your Y your uh, $100 into a YAUST and a PAUST token. And someone says, well, look, for that expected $20, I'm happy to pay you $15. Then that means that you have a $15 YAUST token. And that must mean that because you had $100, that your PAUST is worth $85. So $100 minus $15. Now, what happens is, over the course of that year, um, Anchor pays out its yield to the yield token holder. And at the end of the year, you can take your P token and redeem it for $100. So over the course of that year, your P token goes from a value of 85 to $100. So you've, you've actually got a fixed guaranteed yield on your P token. Now, if you imagine um, a six-month yield token, a six-month Anchor token, where you split it into, you know, you did six month P token and a six month Y token, then obviously those numbers would be smaller. So your P tokens wouldn't be able to be fungible because they're um, effectively fixed coupon uh, zero, or sorry, fixed yield zero coupon bonds where they just go from uh, on a one year token 85 to 100 on a, um, on a, you know, six month token, it might be, you know, it might be 55 to, or sorry, 45 to 50, or, you know, 95 to 100, or whatever you end up having. So they, that's kind of a long winded say, like, it's a, it's your, it's your right to receive back your principal at the maturity. And those, um, by definition, can't end up being fungible. And so, it'll be a different one for each one. So for every maturity, you'll have a corresponding P token and Y token that won't be fungible with each other. Great, thanks. Such a fascinating topic. Appreciate the thoughts there. No worries at all. Thanks for the question. Um, and I think that wraps us up. Um, so a big thank you to Hyperion, Mr. Refractor, and Jimmy uh, for joining the spaces today. Um, I think it's been really interesting to talk through the prison tokenomics talk through the launch mechanisms and then obviously we we all got to do a bit of imagining at the end of the of the session as well in terms of um keeping up with uh, things that are going on with prism so i would highly recommend if you go to the prism twitter page um there's a link to a notion uh, page in in the um in, in the prism uh, header description that actually is is a great resource for anyone who's trying to get their head further around Prism. So there's uh, there's a link to all the videos and podcasts that um, Hyperion's done. Um, there's a link to a bunch of uh, community threads on Twitter that are kind of explaining the different differences between Ylearner and Plearner and all that stuff. There's links to the the website, the the white paper. And also to the Telegram and and Discord, um, and uh, I'd also personally recommend like the the Telegram and Discord uh, for Prism. So far, um, we're getting closer to to launch. I'm sure that they'll um, descend into chaos, but so far have been um, really really great places for discussion. So if there's anything that's like really caught your eye um, during this call. Uh, I think uh, if you want to pop into the Telegram or Discord and have a discussion, there's lots of smart people there who are willing to to have a conversation. Um, in terms of events coming up, so um, there's an event uh, tomorrow with, uh, well, in fact, 
Orbital Command, who are still in the call here, have put out a graphic. I'm sure it'll be retweeted from the main uh, Prism account with all the events that are happening in the next week, where you'll get more opportunities to come and learn and listen and ask questions. Um, but there's a there's an event tomorrow with Orbital Command in their Discord. Um, there's an event on Thursday with Sefi, where I'm sure lots of imagining will be taking place. Um, uh, and then uh, for anyone who's, uh, for any non-English speakers uh, or for any Spanish speakers, there's a, a event with the Lunaticos on Sunday as well. So uh, lots of opportunities um, to hear more and talk more about PRISM coming up. Uh, that's all we have for today. So thank you all for joining. I hope you found it useful. Uh, and also a shout out to uh, Mr. Terraspaces, who I see in here. I'm sure we'll be uh, putting out a recording in the not too distant future. So thank you for that, sir. Um, take care, everyone, and we shall speak soon. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Prism Launch Q&A, recorded on Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance, let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight, little dreamer Early to bed, early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension Something to endear myself a little bit Something kind of, uh, embarrassing <laughs> And you guys are gonna make an aw sound it's true. It really happened. They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go. When it's final, final, no, I already sold my soul. Getting ready, rock and roll, tip the first domino. Feeling abominable with these avalanche flows. Stop and rest on the road, gotta get where I'm going. And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground sore. And I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble. Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's. Putting wins on the board every fucking day. They love me on the team because I know my fucking place. Better get in where you fit in, I'm delivering the meaning. I I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be ceasing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much as so little has to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves the future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Ten spaces.